welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic, almost punching my internet off the cabinet <laughs> magic. Today I'm joined by my friend, co-host, and fucking fat-fingered guy. If any, if either of us have fat fingers between us, you have got sausages, my friend. The sausages, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's fine. Uh, but yeah, yes, my fat fingered. <laughs> I don't. When I do this accent, it's gonna devolve into like a southern clueless. It will. So I, I apologize. In advance. Um, before today's exciting episode, we'll tell you guys what's going on soon. Business people, it's official. We're on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash. Film Alchemist Pod. This is a great way you guys can help support the show. You can help us uh, keep paying for the things we need to pay for to do this show. You can help this show grow. You can also have this show uh, be molded in your own image, right? You can have a say in what what we uh, are recording and how the show moves forward. So we got a huge exclusive library. You get votes on the movies you want to be in there. We got commentaries. We got many series on Tales from the Crypt going on right now, which has been a good time. You can even have a double feature that you program available. So, if you would be so kind, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. The best way to help us help you by making the show even better. The YouTube Film Alchemist. We're finally caught up, I think, on the video library. So, make sure you go over to, to YouTube so you can see us yelling at each other. That's always fun. Always uh, the good. email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We're easy to get a hold of. We would love to hear from you. Let's say the times are tough and you can't donate any money to the show. We get it, man. No big deal. We understand. Thank you for listening. We could ask you for one more small favor. Something cheap and easy you can do. Something free, in fact. You can leave a rating and review on every app you find this podcast. That helps us defeat the algorithmic fucking civil war hanging over our heads. So that would be appreciated, right? Five star. Why do you like us? Five star. Uh, sentence. These guys are so fucking hot. Hot. Neither here nor there. I would never not like these guys anymore. Just some, I'm just <laughs> brainstorming. We're spitballing. This is good. Also, this is good. something easy you guys could do, um, as long as you're not having, a, if you're not rowing with your friends, send them row? a text message specifically about one of the shows you like to one of your movie-loving friends, and then that will also ensure that your friendship doesn't go tits up, as in the movie we're discussing today. All right. So as we, I think we started this maybe last year, and we dug it. So when the Oscars are rolling around, right? I'm a huge Oscar person. Alex is not, but he's kind enough. This year, to do I'll, this I'll exercise. say this: this year, very much so. I don't know why this year I feel like the stakes, but are like there for me. But I'm feeling it this year. There's some I really want to win. I really but care this your year. Your idea was a great one, right? Why don't we just pick the one or two movies we both like and just gush about those rather than like doing predictive stuff and mm -hmm. you know that kind of shit um this has been the year of oscar movies where it's like why the fuck is this two and a half plus hours long <laughs> almost every fucking oscar movie i saw could have had an hour chopped out of it i'm looking at you tar, tar. absolutely looking at you more like hour and a half and for you tar. argentina 1985 and you fucking elvis being over 80 minutes long is an absolute fucking insult to everyone who's ever watched a movie i have one major Either stipulation with elvis and it's because it ends poorly it should end with him on the toilet and the fact that it doesn't is a we should have seen the, the fallout yeah Anyways. also yeah maybe we don't need more than 80 minutes of marilyn monroe being traumatized i'm just saying this was the year of movies where it's like can we bring it down a notch 
Can you just make these like a tight hundred minutes and they'd all be one to two stars better? Right. Neither here nor there. To us, there were two movies that stood far and above the rest of the competitors, right? Right. And that was The Banshees of Innershin and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Most years, Banshees would have been my favorite movie that came out. It just so happened to drop on the year where Everything Everywhere All at Once came out, which to me is about as transcendent a film experience as I've had. Maybe going back to like when I saw Black Swan in the theater, right? Like fully emotionally invested and devastated watching that movie. Happy that I'm somehow involved and in love with cinema just by watching that, right? Right. Banshees was not that experience. But it in its own way, right? It's one of those movies that it gets it has this really kind of beautiful high concept idea that brings it all the way down to the very normal and mundane human level. And so it really gets at that stuff of, you know, the best cinema makes you happier to engage with being a human being. Right. right? And Banshees definitely has that. It's fucking hilarious. It's brutally dark. It's got a lot of things to say. Yeah. But in a way that is still always fun. It's a really interesting act that they accomplished through the entire movie. So Alex, opening thoughts on the Banshees of Innershin. Yeah, I mean, it's just Martin McDonough doing like what he does every time. I think what's interesting is I always feel um, I always feel when I'm watching a Martin McDonough movie, but mostly when he's doing movies that don't take place in America, this is how I feel is there's something infinitely more like authentic. Three billboards. Yeah. Like three billboards is great. I liked three billboards and um, seven psychopaths is great. Like, it's not like he doesn't make great stories, but there is something about this one and like in Bruges and certain aspects of other portions of the story that just feel much more authentic in a way that I don't think not to say that, Oh, well he's Irish English. And so therefore he's only able to tell those stories. Not at all. But there is something about this as like a parable, which makes a lot of sense to me that it, I, I like right. the, I guess what I like about it is the Aesop's fableness of it, but like the, fucked up fableness of this whole thing is like don't talk to me i'll cut my fingers off it's like what lesson am i supposed to learn from that <laughs> yeah there's just this layer of authenticity on top of that that just comes through right it's a little more yeah. transportative i in think that effect. i think the thing that i like the thing that strikes me the most about this movie is so it takes place during the irish civil war which i think happened during uh, 20 let's see this takes place in 1923 during the Irish Civil War. So in its own capacity, it is this sort of interesting microcosm, and it comes together at the end. And again, this is because Martin McDonough is a great writer. But there does seem to be this sort of microcosm of like what's happening on the mainland, because this is an island. like It's a fictional island, but the idea right. is that... And we should drop a big spoiler alert. This will come out... Sorry, I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to fucking choke on my own fucking fat fingers. Um... This is going to come out before a lot of people might have caught this getting yeah. ready for the Oscars. So big spoiler alert. Right. It's on HBO Max. You can definitely watch it. And right. and, and Prime, I believe. Um, either way. And you should fucking. And you should fucking watch this movie. But you um, should fucking watch this movie. Either way, like, I think the the feeling of inevitability and the eventuality of despair, disaster, whatever looms so well because of what's 
because of the historical context of the movie. And I normally don't give a shit about this kind of stuff, but the historical context of the movie itself is so interesting that it looms over this fictional island like this huge, oh, like we already have a dark cloud over the movie. This is like the darker cloud on top of the dark cloud that's yeah. just like making everything this like darkly comedic. Uh, everything has a darkly comedic beat to it because there's, oh, if you go to the mainland, you might just get fucking blown up. Who fucking, who knows? It's really right. interesting. This is, this is kind of where I want to start. You kind of hit on it, right? The first time I saw this movie in theaters, I was just fucking loving it. Then the ending hits, right? Essentially saying, and again, spoilers, spoilers. Um, had you stayed in your house, we'd have called it quits. But since you didn't, we don't, right? And he apologizes. I don't fucking care. Right. And I think the line he actually says, right? There's some things there's no coming back from. I think that's a good thing, right? Podrick is officially the fucking broken, quiet man of Innershin that he wasn't. Yeah. I got to say, the first time I saw this, this movie did not, or this ending did nothing for me. Like, sure. left me a little unhappy as I left the theater for that experience. It felt like a real cement shoe on what had been this wonderful experience. So, having seen it again and put it in the context of this greater Civil War subtext, right? Walk me through what you're thinking at the end of this movie. Do you like it? Does it work for you? Right. Um, what elements of it? stand out the most so i've seen this three times now i've watched it three times and to me every time i watch this movie because i agree like the first time i finished it the ending i was like what a weird like dour note to end this movie on like you're just like this is like yeah i don't want to be friends anymore either i'm out of here like there is like this like sense of like the finality of this friendship you're like is that really the ending of this movie we're just gonna walk away yeah. and be done with it like okay but watching it again and then watching it a third time, what I realized is it's not walking away and being done with a friendship at all. Like that's not even close to being what I should have gleaned the first time I watched it. What this is about is accepting that this animosity just stands. And there's some things that can't be, there's bells that cannot be unrung in this life sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, whether it's, donkeys choking on fingers or just somebody who is legitimately like, I do not need to spend time with you anymore. Cause look, you and I have, you and I have had plenty of people in our lives that we've met and been like, I want to spend as yeah. little time as possible. We'll, we'll get to the mission statement of Brennan Gleason. I got a <laughs> lot of thoughts on that, yeah. but, but that's, but to me, it really gets to the core of this story, which is there's some things that just exist in this world that, not necessarily are evil or angry all the time, but just exist in a state of animosity. That's all. Right. Well, there's a lot of righteous line drawing. Yeah. But I For think no movie, reason, they, too. What exact, That's the thing I'll take from the ending, right? Is I think they say at one point, I think they're coming to a close on the other side, right? The mm -hmm. Civil War. And I can't I think it's Podrick that says, right, they'll yeah. find something else to fight Colin about. Colin Farrell's, is, yeah, they'll figure it out in a day or two. Right. They'll find something else, right? To me being, sometimes there's just these lines in the sand. There's just fucking fighting. You can't trace it back, right? It's impossible to remember why. Right. But something was done. Someone felt a fucking certain way about it. Actions were taken. And then it becomes this fucking self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. So five years down the road, I fucking hate that guy. You know, ah. 
And it's like, this is just kind of a condensed version of that. Yeah. Right? And that there's no coming back from that, and I think that's a good thing. That line, I've still been trying to sort in my mind. Why does Podrick think this is a good thing? He now has nothing but a house full of fucking horse shit and animals. <laughs> right? Sure. What I think is that it at least lets him know exactly where he stands in the I world. I think that's the key. That, to me, was Right always, or wrong, that's what he's saying. That, to me, got to the core today. Like, when I finished watching it last night and, like, really, like, I woke up and, like, I actually woke up and rewatched the ending this morning because I was just like, I need to see this again. Because I agree. It's kind of the one part that, like, I still haven't It is a on. very cryptic, like, very, I think because the ending is, it happens just so suddenly. Like, it's not this, and sudden's the wrong word because it's not, like, the shocking things. And I think suddenly sometimes leads people the wrong way. It just happens. It is this. It is this. Or this, this series of escalations. It's yeah. just a very like matter of fact. Ending. It is this modality that ends up being a like, okay, let's stand on the beach and talk one last time, essentially. And like, to me, where the crux of the whole thing is, and again, what it starts with, and this is like probably one of my favorite lines in the movie is, is like, I guess we'll call it quits. And he goes, you weren't in the house, so why would I call it like him saying like why the fuck do you think we're even? You killed my you killed my favorite donkey. I told you I was gonna burn down your house whether or not you were gonna be in it or not, and you weren't in the fucking house. Like you killed something I love. All I did was burn down your fucking house. What would it which matter? Which is ninety percent cement it looks like. Yeah. He which, lost some puppets. Yeah. At most he lost some puppets. At most he lost <laughs> his fiddle that was completely useless to him now anyways. So it's <laughs> It was one of those things. There's something where, else he's gonna be fiddling on now. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just not his dog. Him. Just nubbing. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where, like that line to me, that that exchange right there, is this reversal of. It's not reversal. Sorry. It is the only moment you feel Colm's regretting anything. There is this like twinge of regret, especially because after he goes to the priest, the priest he's like, "I killed a donkey, but it was by accident. But I killed a donkey," and the priest goes. Why would God give a fuck about a donkey? <laughs> you know, and he's like, and Brendan Gleeson says, I fear he doesn't. That's, that's exactly like, the movie. That's the yes. fucking movie right there. Love I fear he doesn't. Like that moment. I fear he doesn't, and that's the point or the problem. However, he says it, right? But that's the, the problem fact right that there. God doesn't give a fuck about that poor, innocent little donkey. Right? But that's it. Again, at the end, I, it's Podrick, because this is one of the things she says, right? When, um, Colin Gleason is just like, or Brendan Gleason's like, I just need him to be fucking quiet. I need him to not talk to me. Right. Right. And it, Podrick's sister just says, that's what Innershin needs. Another quiet man. Right. Yeah. And it, there is an element to that, right? That Podrick is this kind of hopeful force. Mm -hmm. And he's Brendan a good, Gleason, he's a good guy. right he's or wrong, man. he makes this fucking decree. Right. And Brendan Gleason can't let it go. He's a nice guy who did nothing wrong and he wants answers. Why is it wrong to be, you know, I used to think being a good man was a compliment. Now, when you say it like that, I think it's the worst fucking thing in the world. Right. He needs to do this. Through his pursuit, he essentially lost his sister, mm -hmm. lost his friend, lost his fucking donkey. Right? Right. Even the fucking town twit is now dead. All for the pursuit of why? But what it is, is it's telling him, it's like, just shut down. Stop engaging with others. Don't give a fuck about others, right? Right. Shut down. Worry about your little fucking square on the earth. Your kindnesses drown out. Right. 
right? And so at the end, we see this full decimation of Podrick. Mm -hmm. And so that all works for me. It's just, it does feel like one of those movies where you're waiting for the payoff and there just isn't one. It's just, this is life, man. I mean, to me, this the, is just how it goes. Yeah. Eventually, you just take shit and shit. And one day, you just give up and you're just that classic adult who's like, I just got to survive today. To me, have a beer, go to bed, survive a day. To me, the payoff in this movie is that at some point, to me, the the payoff for this movie is the is that ending that ending shot though, where Brendan Gleeson is mildly regretful. There is this thing where when he says when he fires back, it's like you, we're not call, like it's not calling it quits just because you decide all of a sudden you're calling it quits. You've lost like all your fingers, and I burned down your house, but you killed my donkey, and you think this is like an even Steven thing. Like I think that's the thing is interesting is like Podrick spends the entire movie trying to be a good guy. Like we were talking about, like a good man, that whole, that's like, that's the speech that wins him the Oscar for, uh, would win him an Oscar for best supporting, even though he'll lose to Kihai Kwan, but that's fine. Um, honestly, if someone's going to win a best supporting, it should be Brennan Gleason over Colin Farrell. I think agreed, but they're both great. Also, in this movie. I don't know what category I have not paid attention to the category they're nominated in. So I don't know who, uh, cause that's the thing. I think Colin Farrell is he actually best up lead? against Brennan Fraser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. No, that's not true. He's supporting. So. No, because lead, because the Globes, he won a Globe, and then Austin Butler won the Globe for best lead actor because um, fucking oh God wait, damn did, Elvis. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not up to speed on that. Here, but, I'm pulling up the Oscar nomination. Either right way, now, so like to me, that speech. Um, to me, that speech at the end where he, or not at the end, that speech he gives in the the Oscar speech that he gives in the pub and says like, "I used to think being a good guy was a, as a compliment." Yeah, Colin now it's the worst thing up in the world. for best best supporting actor, best, best supporting, okay. best lead actor, best lead oh actor. best lead. Yeah. Okay, so he's it's gonna lose Elvis and Brendan Fraser. So he'll lose it to Brendan Fraser. Okay, cool. But he, that's one of those like when Tony Collette didn't get nominated for Hereditary, absolute fucking insult to the craft of acting. If Brennan Fraser does not win this year for the whale versus this competition, there is no reason to have this award ever again. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid because every year the Oscars, quote unquote, fuck it up. Right. It's just a chance to recognize movies that don't get the recognition. Fine. I agree. I do think Brennan Fraser, though, is like there's ever been a Grand Slam someone should have won. It's this one. Neither here nor there about this movie. But it's Oscar week, so this is what we're talking about. Right. So well, let's let's bring it back a notch. Sure. Okay. Let's start here. I think the the fucking impetus for this movie, it's just one of those perfect screenwriting moments where you go, God damn it, I wish I could do that. It's a perfect conceit the for a film. The whole fucking movie starts with this old guy saying, I just don't like you no more. I don't want to be your friend anymore. It's a perfect start to a movie. It's so innocuous. And what that fucking becomes is insane. So let's start with Brennan Gleason's character called. He hits this point where he's old. He's feeling his existential dread, right? Pretty late he decides, in life. I don't want to hang out with this fucking dull farmer anymore. And right. just fucking shit. Like every day they all just go to the pub at like 2 or 3 p.m. Yeah. And he's like, I got shit to do. I got to record this fucking fiddle music because that matters, right? 
Like, there's that great point when he goes, you remember Mozart, you remember this. And then the sister checks him and she's like, you don't even remember what dates he did that. You were wrong, period. Right? But his thing is, he's like, none of this lasts, but a great music, great poetry, something like that does. He's trying to add something to humanity before he leaves. I get that. I'm at that stage in my life. You're a creative guy. We both are pursuing creative endeavors. I've been at right? that stage Writing of my life since I was 18 years old. There but. are actual moments where you're out doing something, right? Whether it's drinking, you're playing with your kid, and your brain's just going, you got work to do. Yeah. You have important work to do. And it's kind of a sickness, right? But there are times you're you're hanging out with people or friends, and they're in the same boat as you. They're like, I'm also trying to achieve something, right? Even something as stupid as the podcast we do. That takes a lot of fucking work. That takes a lot right. of time out of your schedule, well, right? What's interesting, too, and I don't know. Like, again, watching this movie, I, it's so funny. I was like, this is like sort of this microcosm of our lives. It's like I think about like, – because I immediately thought about our pot, like the pod. Because this is a great movie. Like, Well, we both have one friend in particular we share that we don't have to name, but we both know exactly who we're talking about where every fucking day you would meet this guy. Yeah. It was, we got to make a plan. Like, as soon as work's over, we got to go here. We got to go drinking here. And you're like, I cannot give you yeah. five evenings of my life every week. I just can't. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's it's it's hard, right? Because you want to be with your friends. You want to do stuff. But you're like, I've got shit to do. And we were in our 20s and I felt that. So I definitely understand where this old fucking right. fiddle fuck. Well, it's that. Going. I think what's interesting, like, besides the existential dread, because this is like, to me, the split between Colm and Podrick is like, Podrick likes his life. This is like the kind of crazy. This is kind of the interesting thing to me is like right. Podrick's just a happy Podrick's guy. a happy guy. He likes his life. And Colm is. Colm decides on a lark like we have absolutely no idea why this came up other than just like he's depressed. And Maybe he Podrick to... talked for four hours about what his donkeys were his shitting don out. His donkey shit. And oh, by the way, Colm's it was like I can't anymore. Actually, that might be one of that's probably the I like laughed out loud at that line when he was like, well, it was pony shite. So you weren't even listening, were you? And I'm like, that's fucking genius. <laughs> the, the small details of this movie. Like so the many, scene like, that's like, are you round? I don't think we're round. You're round. You're round. Right. I mean, the writing is so and it's with every beautiful. Martin McDonough movie. The writing is so fucking crisp. But besides just like so, the dialogue and how people interact, but, the 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 high brain concept of what this is yeah. well it's this might be as effective a screenplay as he's ever written i mean that's the thing it is incredibly because it's it's deceptively Bruges is a more funny movie but yeah. this one is operating it's so much i mean it just it seems so effortless it's deceptively simple more. i think that's yes. the thing because like when people enter the movie this is this is probably why I think people didn't. Some people did not like this movie. Now, granted, there are a lot of Irish critics who didn't like this movie because they thought it was making, they thought it was like basically playing That's a in, whole cultural thing. Whole cultural like, thing. I don't, I don't. There are some I'm people who don't like this guy. movie because I think, but because it is deceptively simple. Like I think because the idea of the idea of not just wanting to be friends with anyone anymore is so odd. And without any reason, it's just a thing somebody said. Like, Colm says, I just don't like you no more. Like, there's no reason. He's, like, he starts giving reasons, but all of them are reasons that are just, like, childish reasons. Like, oh, you're dull. I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen to you talk about pony shit. And you're like, it's fair. You know, it's great. But the weirder totally thing about. Yeah. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, 
that's all there is. Like, it's not this great thing. Like you find out later on that he like fucked his wife or anything like that. Like, see that that's Dude, like the that's American so version. Fucking relatable though. Absolutely. How many times? How many you... times are you just out with your own friends and you go, "What the fuck?" I have two, like, three of them now. I'm like, Dude, we've had I this exact fucking... night five hundred fucking Absolutely. times. Absolutely. Um, it's unbelievable. Where Colm is full of shit, the most full of shit character, and he's like, "I'm gonna start chopping off my fiddle fingers." Yeah. Right. There's that great scene with the dog like pulls the shears away from him. Dude. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so good, but. He just he, his theory, right, is he's like, every time you fucking talk to me, I'm cutting a finger off my fiddle hand. Right. That's what's up. And I don't know if it's his fucking fret hand or his fiddle bow it's, hand. I believe it's his fret hand. His fret hand. So he cannot make the fucking chords anymore. Yeah. If it was his, his bow hand, you could just tie the bow. Yeah, you just to your thing. And maybe I don't know how to play fiddle, but I'm assuming you could still make some sounds. Right. The the idea that because it kind of just exposes what's actually going on here. Right. Yeah. Calm is hoping that by creating this great work of his, the Banshees of Innershin, that his entire life, his love, his passion for his art, will be manifested in something that will bring him joy, and if not that, will be hugely popular after he's dead. Which is one of those things that fucking drives me nuts, because it's like, you won't oh, care. God, dude. You literally won't care. That's... And your kids probably won't care as much as they would care about you being around them, I right? think that's like... Neither here nor there. But I agree. That is the right. fallacy it's... of... It's Cole's fucking thing. insane, but he's in full existential depression. I get sure. it. I do too. The problem is, is when you start saying the person who I have identified as the culprit for why I'm not getting work done, which is horseshit. I don't know what his job is, how he pays his bills. He just plays the fucking fiddle. Yeah. Wake up a little hungover, right? At 11. You got three hours to fucking fiddle every day before you go meet Podrick to talk shit. Or you just tell him, hey, I'll meet you at five. Right? You right. got your time. Six hours of fiddle playing a day is probably good if you don't have a fucking job, which he doesn't seem to have. Right. So he's wrongly identified Podrick, it seems. Right? Or But what I think is going on is twofold. One, he despises Podrick for being just okay with what life has dealt them. Right. He thinks he deserves more and better, and it should mean something. And Podrick is the one that highlights to him how, fuck, how much that makes him mad. Right? Right. Secondly... I think there's a bit of him that thinks by cutting his fingers off, by acting a fucking fool, because he does it after he finishes the fucking piece, right? Yeah. That somehow this will put him in that crazy one, island One fingers artist. off. But then he finishes it, cuts all the rest off. Yeah. Right? Chokes the fucking donkey, throws him at the door. The throwing at the door, by the way, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but he does that because it'll add to the lore of... Right the fat fat and fiddle player that went crazy. Right. right. And possibly give him that extra thing. Right. So I think he's full of shit on a lot of counts, even as it begins related. But dude, the finger hitting the floor and he's like, I'm not going to throw it away. It'll get dirt on it. And he's holding the fucking finger. I, so the, good. When he comes I love in, the mechanic, but talk to me about Colm's headspace and his mission in this movie. Colm to me is, this is like that. If you extrapolate it to like a, like a metaphor that has to do with, not the Irish Civil War. I would say, like, mm -hmm. this has to do with the creative pursuit that most people deal with. Like, people who are stuck in ruts, and I've been there, and, I, you know, oh. I mean, we all sit there. I live there. Yeah. You've only like, adopted ruts. I, I, I literally, yeah, like, I literally have a two-bedroom two apartment there. No, it's, like, one of those things where, I, for me, Colm is pursuing something that doesn't happen 
<laughs> doesn't happen while you're living. Like Mozart, he uses Mozart as an example during his like whole speech. Like Mozart, everyone remembers Mozart. It's like, yeah, but that's Mozart. Like to have to be also, that. You remember like a picture of him, right? right. You don't remember the man but or what to be mean? that self-important. Like here's like to to me the idea of like making art that lives on. That's not something that you choose. That's something that the right. world chooses. But you do you like all all artist people are inherently self? Of course, you have to have some form of grandiose self obsession. Yeah. That's fine. People like, need to hear what I fucking say out of the eight yeah. billion. That is part of that is part of entertainment. That's what that's the yeah. lifeblood of entertainment. Really, when you think about it, is how self important people can be to put pen to paper, put you know chords to music, like anything like that. Like there is a level of self importance. Like people need to hear this from me. I, yeah. it, all the world's a stage. That's part it's of it. It's going to be important. Right. <laughs> to be so self-important, though, like, I think this is because you at first you think it has to do with I need to write this song. Like, I need to feel this. What I can't do is go to the pub every day at two o'clock and think that you're going to give a shit about what I have. You know, think that you give a shit that I'm making music is all you're doing is talk about donkey shite and I'm trying to make music. Like, to decide that those two pursuits aren't necessarily, like, to devalue what Podrick goes through simply because you're making music and he, uh, I think they, uh, they, are they, uh, dairy farmers, like sheep farmers. Sheep, yeah. Sheep Podrick's milk? some kind of farmer. He's yeah, raising so, animals, selling milk. So to devalue somebody's work just because it's not as creative or maybe like existentially meaningful as yours is he's just a guy the with a nine to five. Like yeah, he's, he's just a guy, a guy with a job. Who's born on an island, isn't miserable about it. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. This is the same conversation I have with people who like when people find out what I do for a living. Like when I say, "Oh yeah, I work in unscripted," they're like, "Oh, reality." I'm like, "All right, I guess we're gonna have that conversation." Are you gonna talk yeah. to me about how what like you know? Oh, I've I've ruined whatever medium you're part but of. Even like, more than that, yourself. right? It's when you talk to a a non creative industry person, yep. like my wife. I'm always having this like staring at her where she's just like she always wanted to be a nurse she always wanted to get married she always wanted to have kids and yeah. like i just look at her and she's just happy she's all the fucking your time. wife is a just a good person even with me as a husband she's just happy she's right? a straight up podrick <laughs> just right happy. And so she just like when her day's off she's just like oh i just got a day to do whatever the fuck i want and be happy and i'm always fucking like how the fuck does that happen? amy griffey is the happiest person on earth i've never met anyone who's right. happy well you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> but i was saying right like every time i have a day off right if i'm like oh i'm feeling rough this morning i'll turn on a movie right halfway through that movie i'm like you lazy piece of shit i, I you should be making thing. your movies right your and it's like it's just this fucking wicked curse in my brain Absolutely. i have a full-time job and we do this podcast and I got all this other shit to do, yep. but it like, you're never doing enough. You're never Absolutely. enough. And so I so fully relate to that, the dichotomy of this movie. Yep. And it does, you do sometimes hold it against people because you see their happiness. Mm -hmm. And instead of being like good for them, you're like, you have to somehow justify why you are dealing with all of the shit you're dealing with I, by saying like, they should want more. I have friends. Why, why should they want more? I have friends who have become very successful in this business and in other facets of the, of the entertainment business and literally have had to unfollow them because I'm upset with how much success they've had. Like it's the stupidest, <laughs> most childish thing ever. The curse of like being happy for your friends, but also subtly being like, you know what? Fuck those yeah, guys. Like everybody. And 
whether you, you'll admit you it or not. If you lie and say you haven't felt that. Everyone, you're on. a liar. Come on. Everybody's There's felt that. There's a part that. of you that's like, that should have been that me. That should have been me. I think the about it all the time. The not let that take over. Right. Get that out of your system Get and then just out, be happy for your Suck the poison friends. out. Move on. It Don't cut your fingers off that, that way. It always starts that way if someone leaps frogs you. Absolutely. 1,000%. Always. But what sucks about this is Podrick's not leapfrogging anyone. No. He just has a very judgmental and also, friend. <laughs> of everyone in the movie, it's like, why does it seem like it's so hard for people to just be around the nice guy? Yeah. Everyone right? seems but annoyed with like, the guy who's just He doesn't just seem happy. to like be eaten up with the Civil War. No. He doesn't seem to be eaten up with Innershin's boring. He doesn't seem to be eaten up with that he doesn't have that much money. Or he just has animals that shit in his house. Right. Right? Um. So you see that he's just a guy. Like, everyone else has all these other things, right? The cop is, you know, a diddler and a fucking abusive piece of shit. Right. Uh, you know, all these other, you know, bartenders, whatever. They're all getting into everyone's shit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're worried about stuff. Except for fucking Padre. That fucking so lady his, at the his shop. his being okay makes everyone else mad at him. Mrs. O'Rourden Which, again, is such a fucking relatable human yeah. experience. Mrs. O'Rourden at the shop is like yeah. the microcosm of the entire island. And you're like, can you mind your fucking business? Like the, at one point, like literally she can't. The, the, she can't. When she when Carrie Condon goes in, to, she gets the letter from the mainland offering her the library librarian job. <laughs> she's like, did this come open? <laughs> like She's like, you fucking nosy bitch. What's the matter with you? You piece of shit. You like, absolute piece of shit. <laughs> this does lead me to a scene, though, right? Because we see the first slip of Podrick is when he he spills on the cop, right? He's yeah. like, Dominic's at my house because you beat him with the tea kettle, yeah, you fucking yeah. diddler. Uh, I think he does. He exposed him as a diddler when him and Brendan Fraser's like, you'd rather hang out with this fucking diddler, this fucking diddler uh, who fiddles with the sun. Um, walk me through the scene where Calm picks up Podrick, who just got his ass whipped. Wow. And drives him home. And then stops when he starts weeping and goes his separate way. Yeah. Walk me through what's happening in that moment. It is sort of like how the ending for you was not. This is the one scene in the movie that for me is not particularly clear. Because to me, it's like, it makes no sense. Not to, I guess it makes sense, but it's more just the why is still hanging for me. Like, the why is so... He's overweight and he doesn't want to walk back. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We know that. We know that. I mean, I know that from a personal... (laughs) From my personal life that I would, you know, rather drive up... I'd rather drive up the street to pick up my kid than walk to school, but... I will um, fucking hang out with you during cardio. I'll I'll fucking hang out with you as long as I can drive there. That's fine. Other than that, we're rowing. (laughs) We're in a row. We're on our feet, we're rowing. (laughs) But... There is this thing of like, I here. This is this is the only way I could explain it to myself. When I was watching it is, and tell me if you think this is anything. Do you think maybe because Podrick gets his ass beat down, do you think Colm's like the only one who can really treat him that poorly is me because I was his friend and I'm the one who's like doing this. Like I I know yeah. that. It, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but there is this like almost ownership of treating someone shitty. And that's like, well, we're at there, that point in the movie, this thing, I don't know if I'd phrase it that way, but there's a sentiment in there. I do like right where he's like, I don't want to be around Podrick because I got these great brooding works to do. Right? right. Right. I also think in a core level, he just sees this guy catch a raw deal and get beat up by a piece of shit, like a right. local piece of shit. Right. 
And so I think there's a bit he's like, I'm rowing with him because mm-hmm. I got fiddling to do. But there's no fucking reason for other people to be beating this guy's ass. Right. Right. And so I think there's this moment where and again, it's kind of fun to track the movie through how much Colm is being honest with himself. And I think in that moment. He's just doing the decent thing. That's just a guy he shared a thousand pints with. Yeah. Had a thousand laughs with. That's good. I like that. And he sees this guy just fucking beat up in the dirt. And he's like, that's ridiculous. That's not right. That's not okay. I'll at least pick him up, dust him off. We don't have to talk. This doesn't change things. But that's fucking insane. Right. And so I think there's just a moment where I don't. And that's the other thing. I don't think in the movie he ever really hates Podrick. No, he it's, he's hate battling him. with hate himself. Hate he, is he's so much stronger. He's battling with himself, yeah. and Podrick is the external target he's chosen. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, he's just he's stepping off his own bullshit for just a scene. And I actually think it's a crucial scene in the movie. Well, right? I think it's a very important pivot because it's getting to your point, which is that it's this isn't hate. It's literally just. I think he's boring. I don't spend time with him anymore. That's it. I think like, it's a self-loathing. Sure. That's a good way to put it. I think he's attacking his own inner. Why are you not a famous fiddle rock star? Whatever the fuck. Right. Right. And it also is kind of interesting. That's where we see some honesty when, you know, he starts crying. He just gets off and doesn't say anything and walks his own way. Right. The next time I feel like we have an integral scene on a cart is when he's telling the fucking fiddle student. That his dad got hit by a bread truck on the mainland. He goes, that's how my mom died. If it's the same guy, I'll kill him. And he runs away. And he even spills the tea about that when it seems like him and Colm might be back together. Yep. So, again, it's, you know, Colm having a moment of truth and then Podrick descending into this fucking madness and ruse. But I I actually think that scene is, is crucial to the film. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because... There are two truths being spoken at that. It is right to me. It's Podrick. It's not even Podrick telling like, you know, just not even spilling the tea. He's just saying what he did because he thinks it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like what it is, is someone explaining that, hey, I think there's a chance we could be friends again. And that's Podrick, not mm-hmm. Colm. Colm to me is the entire scene is saying like. I can let my guard down for like five seconds while you compliment my great work. Like that's the other thing, too, is. The music is complete, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I finished it. Aren't I a genius? Like, there is this, like, there, and that's that level of, like, when you send your script out for notes and shit like that, when you send it to friends and stuff, you're like. And a third of people read it. Yeah. And then like, they're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> make sure that you comment on what a genius I am while you read it. Like, those kinds of things. Like, so there's that level to it from Colm. And then from Podrick's perspective, is like, well, I'm really happy for my friends, but I also, I'm really happy for my friend that he finished this thing. I also think that my friend might just come back because now he's out of his funk. He finished his grade, op- his magnum opus, so now I can talk yeah. to him like a normal person again. It's it's a very specific scene because then it's precipitated right. by the... Well, because we have this what seems like a normal kind of everyday thing. The fingers are such an escalation. Yeah. Is where it becomes this this fantastical movie version of a story. Right. The fingers are such a blatant escalation into the behavior set. Right. That also throws what Colm's doing into disrepute. Right? Like you're like, I think he's also full of shit. 
Like, maybe if he chops his fingers off, he won't have to fucking struggle anymore and pretend that his fiddling matters. Right? right? <laughs> like, he's also very full of shit. Um, why will Podrick not leave him alone? I think because deep down, Podrick still wants to... Podrick still knows he's a good guy. And once, right. even though he says it's the worst thing, worst thing anyone's ever said, he's like, but I want that to be a compliment. Like, right. he wants to that to be, being a good guy is something he wants to be. It's not till the end of the movie that he doesn't give a shit anymore. He wants to be a good guy. And I think that that's really kind of like where, that's where the, that's where the rubber meets the road for Colm. Is like, Colm is annoyed that this is the, this is how I put it. Colm is trying to make this music. He's trying to better the world with his art. Podrick is just trying to be a better guy, trying to be a nice guy, trying to live his life, trying to be part of his community, so on and so forth. That's almost an affront to this creative endeavor that Colm seems to be on. Right. And I think that what it ends up being is it's, it's like an insult. So... I guess like that's where like that's where the escalation like and not I mean escalation isn't even like even in the word I'd use it's this ascension to the top of the peak of insanity mm-hmm. chopping off the rest of your fingers just one is crazy but the rest of them is just like what at that point you're asking what are you trying to prove that that's the part that like boggled my mind and was the thing that, and again, this is what Martin McDonough does better than like anybody is I ask that question. And I also realize at the same time, it almost doesn't matter. Like the result right. is still the same. Well, I think it's Podrick pursuing this, this kind of base thing he can't comprehend. Right. Which is why is being good? Not enough. Why is me just being an okay guy? Not enough. And I don't think he can articulate it until the end of the film. Right. And maybe that's what he means when he goes, and I think that's a good thing. Because now they're in a shared reality, right? He is an outlier until the end of the movie, right? He just right. cannot articulate why. And it's kind of like his sister, right? When he's just like, I got this great sense of time sitting on me. I can't. I feel it. Don't you understand? He's But he's dull. And the sister just goes, you're all fucking dull. And I was like, yeah, you know, we don't need another quiet man. You're all fucking dull. Like, get the fuck (laughs) over yourselves. Right. You know, you're all fucking insane. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's just that undescribable or indescribable. I have to know why I am broken. I feel happy. I seem good. Yeah. Someone else from the outside is telling me there's something wrong, and that's confusing me. Right. And I think that's also a very common struggle that we all deal with. Walk me through Barry Cohagen's character. Hmm. Why is he in this movie? <laughs> Damn it. He's you great. Like, he's great in this movie. He's very good. There you literally took the word out of my mouth. Like, yes. It, it's not that he's not bad. I'm like, I, I like, I like him. Right. I also don't know why he's in the movie. Like They're filling not to out say a tapestry that, of interesting characters. Like not to say that he's not great, but I also do not know why he's in the movie. Not to, no. I, I don't want to take it away because he keeps winning awards for it. <laughs> I just, he's a, it's a wonderful performance. It's a great part. Like it's a great more, performance. In this story, what value is this character adding to the story? What is Martin McDonough trying to show us or illustrate with this kid? 
I want who again is just like so fucking cavalierly dead at the end of the movie. Yeah, it happens like he's just dead in a pond and they say he slipped, but we know he didn't slip. Did you rewind it? I like was like, did I miss a scene? Sorry. Um, did I miss a scene? Because that was my thing. Like, I like <laughs> I like went through it and I was just like, I don't get this. Um, I think that what it's. I think Barry Cohagen's character is that how you say his name? Keegan? Keegan? Barry Cohagen? Yeah, I don't know. Cohagen. Either Cohagen. way, I think Dominic is a character Old in the B-ho. movie. That's what we'll call him. Old Beho is in the movie to, I think, show what real troubles are. Like, if you want to have an actual, if you want to have a real uh, row, if you want to have a real row, go look at that kid. That kid's living in But he's like, like, if my dad wakes up. <laughs> When he's having a wank, he's going to beat the shit out of us. And the guy wears his cock. That shot, that shot when they walk into his house and he's just sitting there in his skivs and the hat. Yeah. Just having an old wank. Um, That's fucking priceless. That yeah. was fucking hilarious. But I think um, what it is is to say, look what the real problems are going on here. Like, do you I really mean, think you're stupid his dad is like sexually assaulting him? Yeah. He may have some, you know, other issues that are unresolved, right? He might not have gotten an education. Whatever the, the you know, hints are. Yeah. Right? He's kind of this pariah around town. Everyone shits on him. Because that's the other thing. Podrick in this character has a friend mm-hmm. who's willing to be his friend. Right. But he's a guy that no one values in the whole town. So even Podrick, who's the nice guy, has his limits with how nice he can be to this one fucking put upon child right it is kind of a baffling character the scene with him that i'll always remember is when he sneaks up on the sister at the lake right and he just goes hey would you ever consider you know me like when i was older and she's like no 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 and he goes yeah i thought not yeah and he goes there's another dream dashed he's and he's perfect in that moment. Yeah. Like that is like, well, that's like the heartbreak to me. That's the heartbreak. And that tells you exactly what's going on with his character, which is like, yeah, he's not that dream. He doesn't want to be there at all. Like being on that Island is a death sentence. And unfortunately it ends up being a death. Well, sentence. he's hoping for someone to make it. Okay. The way Podrick is hoping that Colm will make it. Okay. The way Colm is hoping that this fucking piece of music, the Banshees of Innershin will make it. Okay. Right. I think the, way everyone, the sister's hoping that the fucking ticket to the mainland will make it okay. I think what's interesting about the movie as a whole, everybody is waiting for something to everybody is waiting for something to happen that will make their lives not immeasurably better, but just better. Welcome to the fucking club, characters like, in the fictional team. Yeah, right. <laughs> the only person, but this is the important thing though, is the only person who actually takes agency is Shaban. She's literally the only character who's like, fuck this. Like, I am leaving. Like, and she, she, again, you're right. She gives that great speech. She's like, all you guys are fucking boring. What do you, what makes you think any of you are any different from the rest of them? Like, you're just fucking dudes who sit around and, and drink like, it up. Why break Podrick? But she still also wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. She's, she knows. I think that's like, that, that, that's in a movie like this, where it's this like sort of fucked up Aesop's fable. There has to be one character who knows what's going on. And 
she's the only one who's living in the real world, so to speak. And I think that's a really important and key difference from her and all the other characters in the movie because, like, just the finger the, – okay, the first time the finger gets thrown against the door, when he brings it in the, alone, she's the only one who reacts the way you're supposed to react when you see someone's fucking finger thrown at your door is she freaks yeah. out. She's like, what the fuck? That is a key moment how you know that Shaban is like, I don't need to be here anymore. Like, this is right. absolutely, it's not even like this is beneath me. It's like, this is too much. I would rather deal with the Civil War on the mainland than sit here and deal with this shit. Well, there is this moment, right? This kind of paired moment that I love. Which is, he's talking to Colin, or uh, he's talking to Colm. Yeah. Podrick is, and he's like, you know, there are no Banshees in Innershin. And he's like, yeah, maybe they're still there. They just don't scream to portend death anymore. Right. They just sit back and observe amused, right? Is Shabon is on the boat, right? She's leaving. She waves up at the cliffs at Podrick, right? Mm -hmm. There's another like shadowy cloaked figure next yeah. to Podrick. And then when the camera cuts, right, it's like a profile of Podrick. In the background, we see the same shadowy kind of black clad figure. Mm -hmm. We never acknowledge it. On the boat, Shabon's face seems to drop a little as she's taking it in. And I thought that was this cool. It's kind of this weird, almost like supernatural moment within the film totally right because that moment and then even the old crone right kind of plays that's what i thought this, i thought it was the old where crone. there are these it's almost as if the men in the story cannot fucking see the portents anymore right there's no exactly banshee to is. scream at them that's a saying, great way to put that yeah. you're going too fucking far right they're not screaming anymore they're just like you fucking idiots right and so in that moment it feels like the movie's telling us she's not gonna do that for them Right. And that these men are just blind to how fucking insane and stupid this is getting. But yeah, I thought that 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 weird shadowy figure I thought was a cool touch. I thought but it then, was yeah, the it's old like the crone, crone staring but... at her from across the, the lake. Yeah. The crone is there when Barry Cohagen's character's found. Right. I She's think... just kind of there a lot in these moments where, you know, it seems like a hey, choose a better path. Yeah. She's it's the almost one who like sends this... Podrick running at the start of the movie to go try to have it out for a second time with Colm. Yeah. It's almost this it's almost this Shakespearean, you know, the three very witches so. thing. Like it feels very Macbethy. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. But I I like that. I think that this is and again, this is something that Martin McDonough and the, maybe this is something that comes from a play perspective, because Martin McDonough started in, as a playwright. Because like we talk about the Pillow Man all the time, which is like one of the best greatest, play I've ever read. My one of the greatest play plays ever. ever. Yeah. He, there's a level of supernatural in playwriting mm -hmm. that's really wonderful, and I think that to me is what that to me is that aspect of, and that's the thing that comes yeah. back from it. I I, I, what love, I love too is I that love the, the unanswered question. and the figure on the cliffs might be easily explained away. Sure. I mean, they're just presented in a way that lets our brain right. run them up. I like that. And I like that. And that's something that I really like is the unanswered question in Martin McDonough's stories. Yeah. Unanswered we all questions have ghosts are much in our own minds and souls that are with us all the time. Absolutely. All the time. It's, it's just a fast, I mean, to me, look, it is probably the second best movie I saw this last year. Because, again, I'm yeah. with you. Like, everything, everywhere, all at once blew me away. Triple R, The Menu, Brian yeah. and Charles. There were some really great standout movies. Too. There were some really wonderful movies. This was, I think what's interesting about it is, 
it's not like I expected a Martin McDonough movie to not be amazing or to kind of like knock me off my feet. And in a year where such great movies, like you said, came out, that's the really fascinating thing is it is like the second best movie I saw this year. Right. Well, you expect it to be funny. You expect Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell to kill it. Yeah. I think there's so much more happening in this one that I appreciate. There's just this extra layer of sinking into the story. There's some actual real misery in this movie. They, I think that kind of stuff's important to contend with in our art. Right. But again, it's delivered in this fun in Bruges style delivery. And the balance is always struck so well. Right. And, you know, the scenes of him burning down his house, the scenes of him burying his feckin' donkey. Right. When he kicks the door down and you see him and call him like, fuck, the donkey died. Yeah. And they have that moment where they're both just like, fuck. That's where Colm knocks out the fucking cop. Mm-hmm. He's like, his fucking donkey died. Be nice. And then that leads him to the fucking, you know, the the confessional. Mm-hmm. Right? Where earlier he's like, do you like little boys? It's like, you fucking. He's yeah. like, you will be proper fucked. Get the you fuck will out of here. proper fucked. Yeah. Get so the fuck out of here. Confessional and he's like, you know, I killed a fucking donkey, dude. I'm yeah. sad about that. He doesn't care about the mutilations and this and that. No, no. And he says what he I think what he says, right, is he's like, how's the despair? He's like, it's back a little. It's back a little. Right. And to me, it's just these men staving off despair. Right. I think it's these dumb actions because they're not reading the the road ahead. It's the commitment to. It's the commitment to shit behavior that I think is the most like and we all do it like. Right, where this it's, shit behavior then become can become an excuse for why you're not where you want. Right, that's all. Or the shit behavior is why we have another broken, miserable fucking guy who's now committing arson and crimes. Right. Right, like another fucking broken, sad man it's, who doesn't have just that joy to exist. Yeah. Um. I just, I fucking love this movie. It's, it's I love awesome. everything about this movie. I'm glad it exists and that I get to experience. I thought it was one of the best movies of the year. Of the nominated class, I think this and everything stands so far ahead. Yeah. It's bar I mean, Top Gun Maverick is two. good for what it is, but that's that's a mindless, just like fucking rah-rah, isn't it cool movie. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. But it doesn't do anything for the harder soul like this one. It's You know what I mean? This and everything everywhere all at once are movies that, are it's not even about thinking because i think a lot of the time people are like oh is the like the intellectualism of movies that are quote-unquote oscar bait right is bullshit like it's not it about should be soul for the food or food for the soul right exactly this isn't yeah that's what i think is the most important thing about these kinds of stories is it's not about oh like when we think about oscar bait movies my only thing i think about is like the king's speech i'm like king's speech to me is absolutely unabashed oscar bait it's about a guy who's the worst movies that's ever won an Oscar. it's about a guy who literally never had any problems and oh Oh, he stutters he's just still a fucking prince that lives in a palace he's not struggling for a meal that's like the really he doesn't make that speech winston churchill just does it better than nothing would have changed for that character had he not gotten better with his speech like he would have been fine winston church like that's the difference. Like you watch a movie like King's I think we Speech. have a real bias against movies about how hard it is to be rich, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, like I think, think we about, have a real bias towards that. Like you think about us. King's Speech versus like a movie like Darkest Hour. You're like, okay, one is a guy who still is going to live in a palace at the end of this. The other guy is literally trying to make sure that the Nazis don't blow the right. fucking shit out of every single person. Also rich, but like he's doing stuff. He's doing stuff. Yeah. This is a year of movies. And the thing that I really liked about particularly Banshees and Everything Everywhere is this is about soul food. Those are those stories about those. These are these stories about soul food. Banshees is a little different than everything everywhere all at once, obviously. But that's what you want in this kind of year of movies is movies that are going to not necessarily. They don't have to make you think. They just make you feel. That's pretty awesome. It should make you connect somewhere on your. I'm trying to look up what the fuck was up with the King's speech. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. I don't know what movies were up in 2011. Oh, 127 hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right. The fact that Every Black Swan. Every single one of those movies. Should have Inception. Don't start So that. much better than The King's Speech. <laughs> yeah. The fact that Black Swan did not win that award. Insane. Fucking disgusting. Fucking sickening. No, but. This is one of those things I argue with people, too. Because you're like, if you like to debate what Oscar should have won and your movie never wins, why do you like it? Right. That's a well, feature, this is why not, I... That's a feature, not a bug. Right. Right? It's like baseball players. That's why we argue Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. There will never be a right answer. Right. Well, this is why I choose about. not to invest much time in awards. Because a lot of the time... The other thing... The other flip side of that conversation is I don't like arguing with people who only think they're right. Like, there's no conversation to be had with that. That's everyone. I agree, which is why I don't talk about the awards. Which is why I don't talk about award shows with anybody but you. Because you're the only person I'm willing to have that I'm right, you're wrong conversation with most of the time. That's why we do this podcast. The Oscars, to me, are a night that celebrates the idea, the concept of making a movie. Except for the 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 magic that a movie's made well, right? Right. There's a lot of horseshit that goes along with that. I'm 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 accepting that. I'm giving that to the the opposition. <laughs> I like to sit and have a night where it's just like, fuck, man, movies are still worth it. Yeah, agreed. Right? Movies are fucking still worth it. So that's it for the Banshees of Innershin. What a great movie. Uh, for our other movie this week, we have chosen Everything Everywhere All at Once. Woo! If you have not seen either of these two movies, please treat yourself to that. Yes. If you want to hear more from us. Help support the show. Help keep the show going. Please support. Uh, treat yourself to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod. It would mean the world to us uh, if we could grow this thing. Keep it going. So thank you guys for your support. The YouTube Film Alchemist. The email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials. Make sure you leave those five-star ratings and reviews wherever you find us. And please, especially this one, man. It's in. Everyone's talking about the Oscars. Send an episode to a movie-loving friend. See if they dig us. We'll take it from there. We appreciate your guys' help and support. Whatever form it takes. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll be back on Thursday with everything everywhere all at once. Easily the best movie of 2023. It ain't even close. So I can't wait to talk and gush about that movie. Bye! Bye!